joy in every season. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. 1 Peter 1, 8 says, You love him passionately, although you did not see him. But through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. Our joy is related to what you believe in and not your experience or circumstance. We let joy be manifested because of our circumstance or experience. And a lot of times that's the only thing that we, when we do see joy, is just when the circumstance is right, you get a raise, your wife makes a cherry pie. I have to admit that does put a little spring in my step when that happens, but... Our joy should not be based upon circumstance or experience. It should be based upon what we believe. This scripture says, But through believing in him, you are saturated with ecstatic joy. I mean, that is joy unspeakable and full of glory because of what we believe in. And so let me just say this. Even though I said we're believing God, for the manifestation of healing, that should not be the basis of our joy level. Do you realize Peter, he walked with Jesus for three years. He saw the dead raised, the blind eyes opened, the lame to walk. He walked on water with Jesus. Peter walked on water with Jesus, yet when it came time for one of the most important times of Jesus' life, he denied that he even knew him. How can that be? How can a man walk with Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, know that he's the Savior, the Son of God, see the miraculous, see the supernatural like nobody, walk on water? Peter's the only one that's recorded that's ever walked on water. Do you know anybody? I, I don't know anybody that's walked on water. I wanted to walk on water when... The Air Force dropped me in the ocean, but I mean, I've never, I've never uh, known of anybody else to walk on water. Peter did that with Jesus, and yet three years, when it was time for right before the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter said, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Peter knew Jesus after the flesh, but not the spirit. And a lot of times we can do that. And by that, I mean just who Jesus is in the natural. Jesus said, there's coming a time when you have to worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit. Worshiping God in spirit. Knowing somebody after the spirit, not just the flesh. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Oh, he's saying, we're not going to know Jesus after the flesh. What he looked like, even what he could do. We're not going to know him after that. 
We're going to know him after the Spirit. I like what the Passion Translation says, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. Mm, Let's stop and camp right there. Paul said, I'm going to refuse to evaluate people merely by what they look like. He says, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one. He said, that's how we, we, we looked at Jesus. Man, he can do the supernatural. He's this and he's that. But it was all about the flesh and it's all about what he could do as far as uh, the miracles that he did. But did they know him spiritually who he was? He said, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. That's where the problem is. If you're just knowing Jesus after the flesh, there's going to be limitations on what you think you could see or, or what you know about. But when it comes to the spiritual realm of knowing Jesus spirit to spirit, it's unlimited then. I know this is a little bit of a hard thing to get a hold of. I'm still trying to wrap my arms around it, but I do know this is what it's supposed to be, to know God after the Spirit, not just knowing him after the flesh. He says we're no longer going to not only look that way at God, but listen to me. He said, I'm no longer going to do that with people. I'm not going to evaluate. Listen to me. I'm no longer going to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. What I think they are or are not. I just really feel strong in saying this, that um, it's time that you let some of the crosses you've, or things that you've had against your family, against your friends, let it go. You want me to sing the song? Let it go. Okay, by popular demand, I will not. But it's time to let it go. No matter what they've done, listen to me. It's for your benefit, not theirs. It's for you. You're the one getting eaten up. You're the one that they're living rent-free in your mind. Christmas should be a time that the world wakes up and says, you know what? I'm going to let bygones be bygones, and I'm going to let it go. There's people that got divorced in 1975, and they still have an axe to grind. Really? They're probably not thinking about you, just letting you know. But Yeah, but you don't know how they hurt me. I possibly may. But the point is, God wants you to be set free. And to do that, you have to let things go. Things that people have done to you, robbed you, stole from you. I mean, you can play the country music song backwards. You know, you, somebody done me wrong song. Dog bit you. We need to look beyond the flesh. God looks beyond your flesh. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful he doesn't just see you as your mistakes and weaknesses? 
dear Lord in heaven. Who? Who, who could even measure up to that? Every church should be empty if that was the basis of coming to church that you had to measure up because you've been doing right that week. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Pastor Mike, he's gone. Cricket, cricket, cricket. I mean, no. Paul had changed the way he viewed people, evidently. At one time, he respected people for their wealth, their position, their strength, what they could or had or what they could do. But after knowing Jesus... Intimately knowing Jesus, he no longer evaluated people by any of that, their wealth or their, their, even their education or, or what they could do for him, what they could do, period. At one time, he had an opinion of Christ based only on his physical person. But then he heard there's something more knowing Jesus intimately, and after experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I'm no longer going to know him after the flesh. And matter of fact, I'm no longer going to know people after the flesh in the same way. So I know people can look at, and I've done this, we've all done this, we measure and size people up sometimes by how spiritual they are or how righteous they appear to be. And Jesus spoke this to my heart. I mean, when I was reading the Bible, I didn't hear anything audible. But when you read in the Gospels about the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought they were righteous because of what they did in front of the people. And Jesus said, your righteousness stinks to high heaven. And he said, Mike, don't ever look at people and try to size them up spiritually or how righteous they are. Because I have made them that. And it's not made by anything they can or cannot do. Praise God is right. I'm glad he looks at me that way. He sees through all the flesh. He sees all through the, the failures, the weaknesses. He sees through it all, and he sees into your spiritual person, and he knows you spiritually. And spiritually, you are perfect before God. I said this a couple of weeks ago because spiritually, your hands are pierced. Your feet are pierced, and you have a scar on your side spiritually. Why do I say that? Because Paul said, we have been crucified. Galatians 2.20, you can look it up. This is for you and me. We have been crucified with him. What does that mean? Jesus wasn't the only one on that cross. You and me were, honey. We were on the cross with him. I was crucified. You were crucified. We all have the marks of the Savior in us. Why is that important to know? Because you know you're in covenant because of the, there's always a cutting for the covenant. We've been cut. I've been cut in my hands. I've been cut in my feet. I've been cut in my side. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. Therefore, when I come against the devil, it's not Mike Davis coming against him. It's all of heaven 
coming against him, including the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, and Father God. They're all standing with me because I'm in covenant with them. So when you come against me, you're not coming against just me. You're coming against those I'm in covenant with. That's a powerful thing to know. It's a supernatural power thing to know. So, based on that kind of knowledge, that's how God sees you. And God wants our eyes to be opened up to see our brothers and sisters in the same light. It's easy to know and look at people, you know, about how they are in the flesh realm. If you walked with me 24, you know, people think, oh, man, he's such a nice guy. You can ask my wife. She, she knows all my weaknesses and failures. I'm not perfect. But it's like that with all human flesh. It's like that with our spouse. You know, your spouse is perfect until you live with them for six days. Could be six hours for some, but I'm generally speaking, six days, something's going to come out. Man, I didn't know you squeezed a toothpaste like that. Man, you keep, what, what's the deal? You lift the toilet seat up. I mean, I mean, the list goes on. And I, Let's see. I didn't know any of these things about you when I said I do. So how do you get through that? You're either going to argue and bicker until the day you die, or you're going to start to look at them and see their spiritual side. And when you do that, you can work through those other things. You can. It's called grace. It's called grace. And when we start seeing this, you're going to have more victory in your life, and you're going to have joy in every season. You're going to have joy. When you start realizing, it's easy. Isn't it easy when you, you know you have weaknesses, but you know we can justify those or smooth those out. But it's these other people. I heard one minister say this. He says, you know, it, being a pastor would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's how much more could Jesus said that, you know? Coming to the earth would have been great if it wasn't for all the people. Paul had to quit judging people based on their physical appearance, upon their capabilities, or the lack thereof. He says, I'm not going to judge them because of that. Well, he knew that all Christians have great potential in Christ. All Christians, all people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have great potential. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17, this is the living Bible. It says... So stop evaluating Christians by what the world thinks about them or by what they seem to be like on the outside. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, merely as a human being like myself. How differently I feel now. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's you and me. You know, I truly think this. Uh, it's my opinion. Everybody hear that? My opinion. That Samson wasn't some big monster-looking guy, kind of like me, you know. I don't... Thank you. One person, Julio. 
Love you, Julio. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think Sam, I think Samson was some 125-pound skinny dude. You know why I think that? If he had these monster muscles and he just looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, if he was just this massive beast of guy, why would Delilah have to really deceive him to try to get to know where his power came from? Just a thought. No, I thought he was some puny-looking dude, man. He says, how in the world, where do you get your strength from? the anointing supernatural power of God upon Samson that caused him to be able to take gates of a city and carry them off. They knew that his strength was not from his bulging muscles. No, they looked at him and go, where, where is this coming from, man? Where is this coming from? So my point is this. You can look at somebody from the physical realm and you can miss it. You can look at somebody about their weaknesses or their faults and you can miss it because there is something on the inside that God has placed inside of all of us that can cause you to carry the gates of a city off. Oh, man. Woo! The anointing, the power of God upon our lives. Well, Thomas, he just didn't have that capability, it seemed like. He did, but he just chose just to believe upon the appearance. And so when they said the Messiah, Jesus, had been raised from the dead, he says, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my hands in his pierced hands and into his side. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. The great thing about us, and a lot of times, you know, we want to see things. Did you know it says in John, Jesus said this, when he saw Thomas, Thomas saw him. In John chapter 20, verse 29, he said, Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those, you and I, who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts, and they will be blessed even more. You're blessed even more because... You believe and you have not seen. That's called faith. You can do that in every area of your life. You can believe something of the best of your spouse. You can believe something of the best of your kids. You can believe that you are going to get that promotion. You can believe that God's going to provide for you no matter what. You will be blessed before you see it just because you believe before you see it. So you got to retrain your mind instead of thinking, once I see it, then I will believe. Jesus said, you're in the, I don't know about you, but that's the same category of doubting Thomas. I want to come out from that because he said, you're even more blessed when you believe and you have not seen. We need to believe that about people. Sometimes Christians can be some of the harshest people when it comes to judging, judging people. Let's just believe for the grace of God just to code us inside and out and not to be judgy. 
Church should be a no-judge zone. It should be a no-judge zone. Actually, the world that you live in should be a no-judge zone, but specifically, church should be a no-judge zone. There's going to be people who do things and say things. But let's just remember, God's not finished with us yet. It's easy to judge people, you know, when they're messing up and everything else. And, you know, I just want to say, well, God's not through with them yet. Thank God he's not through with me. Thank God he's not through with you. If we're going to have joy in every season, then we're going to have to do Hebrews 12 too. This is joy in every season. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. It says this. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us. Jesus birthed faith within you and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. This is the example of Jesus because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Listen to me. His focus... Through the crucifixion, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said his focus during that, he was sweating drops of blood because his focus had to be changed. He said, Father, deliver me. Should I say, deliver me from this hour? He said, no, for this is why I came. He was a man, and so he was, you know, thinking that just like your flesh and my flesh would be like, man, let's, if, is there, if there's another way to do this, let's do plan B. I'm getting ready to be made sin. I've never sinned a day in my life, and I'm going to become sin. And I'm going to take the sins of every sin that will, has been, is, and shall be. The last sin that's ever done, he's going to take it all and be a sponge and soak up the sins of the world and become that. He understood that. You and I, we don't understand that because we sinned yesterday. We sinned this morning whenever. But he never had. So it's just hard to comprehend that. So that's why. And then he knew that for the curse of the world. Galatians 3.13 says he, he bore the curse. He became the curse so you and I could be free from the curse. Every symptom, every sickness was just poured upon him. And he bore the payment for every sickness and disease. First Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we were healed. He took all of that on, sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. He became him who, that, was made, that was rich, became poor for your sake and my sake. He became poor. He became the thing that caused sickness and disease and the curse. He became all of that. He said, there's another way. And yet he said, no, for this is the reason why I was born. And then Hebrews 12, 2 says how he got through that. This is how he got through it. We look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze into Jesus who birthed faith within us and who led us forward into face perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He says, this is the only way I can get brothers and sisters into my family. This is the only way I can get them. And it caused him to have joy in calling you brother and calling you sister. 
because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. He conquered it and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. So this is how you do it. How did Jesus run his race? He knew, listen, not only that you would be his, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, I believe it's 2, 6, says that we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Jesus not only was looking through what he was going to be facing, he looked past. You know, like he, he looked at this and he saw that this is the pain, the curse, and everything else. But he looked beyond this and looked to a time where that you and I would not only be part of his family, but he said that he would be sitting at the right hand of the Father God on his throne and that we would be seated with him. Listen, he's not just happy that you and I became part of his family. He's ecstatic because you are seated in heavenly places with him at the Father's right hand. And then some people go, well, that just sounds blasphemous. Well, you don't believe the Bible then. We have been right now, not when you die, we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And where is he seated? He's at the right hand of the Father God. You and I are there with him. Listen, this will help you. If you know the power of knowing that we are seated in heavenly places, it will cause you to be able to take authority mm -mm -mm, over any symptom, over any sickness, over every situation that comes your way. It's not just Mike speaking forth Mike's words. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory, seated at the right hand of the Father God. I'm seated with him. And so when I speak, I speak from a position of authority. I'm speaking from a, a, a situation as a king would speak. Whoa. Man, that's powerful. So you're not speaking as somebody trying to get to a place of victory. You're speaking from a place of victory. I'm not trying to get victory. I've already got it because I'm seated in heavenly places with Jesus at the right hand of, of the throne of God. I'm seated on the throne. Man, if you have a revelation of that, oh, my goodness. So this is how Jesus got through it. This is how he got through all of that. He looked beyond and said, oh, man, the victory, 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 victory. I'm going to go through this, but I tell you what, when I come out, I'm going to be seated on high with my whole family, seated with me. So Jesus endured the pain like no one ever has. He bore things like we would never understand. He did it and he bore it. And he didn't just endure it. 
He had victory in the midst of it because of the joy that was set before him. He was going through all of this, but he was looking at the joy of being seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God with you and with me. That gave him great joy. And he thought, that is so much better and greater than what I'm going to be going through. Did you hear that? So this is what you and I have to do. If you're going to have joy in every season, when you're going through a circumstance, when you're going through a problem, when all hell breaks through in your life, you're just going to have to say, I'm seeing something else besides that. Are you hearing me? This is the example. It says Jesus is our example. How did he get through all of that? Man, if anybody can get through anything like that, we will never, ever. This is why he says if you feel like quitting, if you feel like laying down, if you're getting tired and worn out, just look at what Jesus did and realize that the joy that was set before him, you can do the same thing and have the same outcome and have victory in your life. And it won't just be, oh, thank God, that's all over. No, you'll go, woo, praise God. He's the one who causes me always to triumph. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm a triumphant king. Not going to be, not will be when I die, today. Today. Oh, hallelujah. So he put the suffering behind him before he even suffered. Before he even went through the cross, it was a done deal. He realized that when he was praying in the garden. I'm looking through all of this, and it says, For the joy that was set before him, I've got victory. I've got victory. You know, people say, well, let me back up. It says most people today don't recognize we have the power to esteem or disesteem the things that happen to us. You just think we're, we're totally products of our environments and have no power to control our reactions or our emotions. But in Hebrews, it says, no, you do have the power. If Jesus could do and go through that, listen, people say, well, that was Jesus. He went through that as a man. Because in Philippians it says he laid down all of his godly attributes and he went through all of that as a man so that he could stand in covenant as a man with God. So... We can't be focused on the pain or the circumstance or the experience that we're going through. If you do, joy is not going to be manifested in your life. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, but if you're focused on the situation and the problem, strength is not going to be there because of where your focus is. But let's just be like Jesus. Let's be like him. This is a quote by Andrew Womack. He says, if we look to the prize to be obtained instead of the race to be run, we'll be able to endure just as Jesus did. We look at things not seen instead of things that are. Jesus just didn't endure the cross. The Bible says he overcame. We don't want to just endure this time and persevere No, you overcome. You overcome. Why? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith, even our faith, your faith, and you have the faith in you to overcome. So 
This is joy in every season is to walk like this, to do it just like Jesus said. And the good news is, is that we have him inside of us to do it. If he did that, went through the cross and became the curse, you know, the problems that you and I will face, Jesus, look at those problems. I mean, he's not going to do this because he's, you know, awesome, but he's going to go like, you know, this ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. I went through the cross and became cursed and, and became sin. He said, so this, what you're going through, you and I have got this. We've got this. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to read some of these scriptures to you. I didn't give them to the PowerPoint because I just want you to listen to them, Okay. Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You will show me, and this is the King James Version, it says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In Acts 2, it says, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. For you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Acts 2.28 says, For you have revealed to me the pathways to life, and seeing your face fills me with euphoria. That Greek word there for euphoria occurs only here and one other time in the Bible. It is the spirit of joy and ecstasy that can only come from God. It can't come from any circumstance, winning the lottery or anything else. What he's talking about, I've got something that the world can't give you. And the great news is, if the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it away. There's joy that we need to experience like never before. But it's not out here, ladies and gentlemen. The joy is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's in you. It's in you. So let's just let that joy leak out of us more in 2022. Just let it leak out. And it will leak and just come out accidentally when you start focusing on what he's done for you, the promises that he's given you. Not going to give you, but that he has given you. Start seeing yourself seated at the right hand of God with Jesus because that's where you are today. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we just believe you and thank you that there will be great revelation in our life to see not only you in a different light, not only people, but Father, all of us need to see ourselves in a different light. I pray for each and every person that is listening and watching, Lord, I pray that we will see ourselves after the Spirit and not our flesh. We need to see ourselves spiritually. We just feel like there's times that we just know ourselves on the, 
on the physical realm, what we look like, what we've done, what we haven't done, what we do right, what we do wrong, and we just know ourselves in the physical realm. But, Father, you, you are saying, take a look on the inside. That's the real you. Help us to do this, Lord, to see ourselves spiritually, to know ourselves, Christ in us. We know there's an identity crisis in the church around the world. But, Father, we pray that we may know who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.